0: What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Tesla earnings hot off the press. Just got off the conference call. Honestly, thought it was kind of going to be a boring quarter, but the conference call was filled with new announcements. Um, just another example of why listening to company conference calls are a masterclass in learning about business um, execution and to watch Tesla's business model and financials unfold in real time. Get to hear from the management team, Elon Musk, CFO Zach Kirkhorn, uh, Drew Baglino, just an unbelievable opportunity. So I'm going to break down first what the financials were. We go through the conference call, all of this new information the biggest news potentially that dropped is the confirmation of the Austin Giga uh, Gigafactory or Terra Factory, which is gonna be epic. We've been and just so much to cover. Anyway, let's just get into it. Welcome to the world of hypercharts. Here we are with vehicle deliveries. Uh, these were already out at the end of the quarter. We have estimated Model Y here, so that's why you're seeing that here at about uh, fifteen thousand or so deliveries for the quarter, just an estimate. But these are the ninety thousand deliveries Tesla reported. This is what that translated to revenue-wise, just over that six billion mark, as you can see. I'll zoom in for a little, a little for y'all. The automotive business once again driving the bulk of that growth. Um, the energy business did bounce back here with a decent quarter, posting three hundred and seventy. In revenue up from 293 million. Um, about flat from the 368 million in Q2 of last year, but there were some other really good tidbits about the energy business um, that I'll get to in a second. Also service revenue, this was down to 487 million down year-over year, over year um, down sequentially this due to the impact of the coronavirus, less people supercharging, less service and maintenance. Um, I think that was a big reason why this revenue came in lighter. but anyway, going down to the overall uh, gap income statement, we're looking at revenue of just over 6 billion, as I said, 6.03 billion, which is down a little bit from 6.53 but it is up sequentially from uh, 5.8, 5.895 billion. Tesla's gross profit, let's zoom in here, looking at about 1.3 billion. This was up significantly from Q2 gross profit in a huge way. A lot of that was due to the regulatory credit boost, but also core manufacturing uh, efficiency improvements. So a strong gross profit quarter from Tesla and then operating income profitability actually going up from last quarter to 327 million, um, a huge swing from the $167 million loss um, in the Q2 of last year. So, d- you know, despite this global pandemic, despite Tesla's factory being shut down for over a month, the company reported a $300 million, $27 million operating profit, a $500 million swing in operating income, despite all of this. I mean, that it, it's, it's like, I've said that a couple of times on the channel, but it's really like, You know, Tesla was a business that nobody thought could make money when the economy was booming and soaring, but it was really just because they were a startup and investment mode. Now, the company's starting to get to a new phase of production maturity, despite this massive crumbling of the entire global economic situation and automotive sales as a whole down 30%, Tesla's able to grow deliveries in the first half this year, still be profitable on even a net gap net income basis for the fourth quarter in a row, something that no other major US automaker is going to achieve this quarter. Even net income, as I was saying here, positive $104 million on the quarter. That's the gap net income level. Here are the four quarters in a row of profitability that have everyone so excited about Tesla's eligibility for S&P 500 inclusion. Gross margin. This was the uh, sort of a bright spot in the quarter, almost 21% above my 20% conservative estimate. Additionally, operating margin in the quarter was about 5.41%. This was really, really strong for an automaker that is growing as rapidly as Tesla. Um, there's some skepticism about how much of this is juiced by the credits. That was covered in the conference call, so we'll get to that shortly the <laughs> Operating expenses here, Tesla was able to trim expenses. Lots of commentary on the call about how they sort of was a balancing act of you know cutting a bunch of expenses because of what was happening to adapt to the coronavirus pandemic. But on the flip side, um, also incurring more expenses because of the pandemic and that factory shutdown. But net-net, Tesla was able to actually trim costs during this period. And um, that's why we see the OPEX actually going down sequentially, R&D, um, falling off pretty significantly here, the lowest since 2017. I'd expect that to pick back up pretty quickly. Um, SG&A did go up sequentially though, so that's what we got for operating expenses. Um, Growth here, so revenue growth was down 5% year over year, but remember, Tesla's factory was shut down for almost half of the quarter, and despite that, they were able to basically stay flat, pretty much due to the help of China and Model Y. But once again, operating expenses decrease 14%. So despite that we're shrinking a little bit, um, there's actually an in improvement in core operating leverage for Tesla in this quarter as well. Let's move to cash flow. What matters, where did the cash go from the business operating cash flow? Let's check this out. How much cash did the core business pump out this quarter? We're looking at almost a billion dollars. And the reason why you're like, wait, how did they lose 440 million last quarter? You know, in Q1 last year, they lost 640 million. It's million. First of all, this is just extremely lumpy. In the past, we've seen Tesla build massive production overhanging Q1 like produce way more cars than they deliver. This quarter, they delivered way more cars than they produce. That swings in cash flow. So I would say Q1 cash flow is like, you know, one time way weaker than it should be. Not a good, uh, you know, metric of the core business. And this time, the operating cash flow is also not really a good metric of the core business because it's inflated because of those excess deliveries. So keep that in mind. Anyway, CapEx, operating cash flow minus CapEx equals free cash flow. Capital expenditures were 546 in the quarter. Um, I'll just zoom in here so you can see that continually being ramping. And you might be like, whoa, they're about to ramp to where they were in 2017, 1.244 billion. But this was in the Model 3 ramp. This is when Tesla, no offense, sucked at manufacturing. Now they are so, so good at it. They have improved dramatically in the three years. This financially has translated into a significantly reduced amount of capex per unit of production. And that's why we're seeing Tesla expand Model Y in Fremont, basically build up as the size of the Model 3 production line that they did in 2017 in Fremont and start building Berlin and ramp China, um, all at this, and probably do some capex at Nevada for... Future batteries, all at the same time, you know, CapEx is still here at 546 million, just half of where it was during that Model 3 ramp. So I think this is more evidence that even with Tesla putting its pedal to the metal on growth, the core business is producing free cash flow. So that's what we got here operating cash flow minus that capital expenditures we're going to get to that free cash flow number 418 million we can just zoom in on this so once again tesla's business pumps out a little over 400 million in cash after investing in growth that's why we see the cash balance here go up from 8.1 billion to about 8.615 billion um you know every single quarter for the past 5 quarters now tesla has seen a huge bump um in its cash position here they did raise 2 billion dollars Um, in in Q1, I believe, so that's why this bump was a little bit bigger. But the point being here, Tesla ended the quarter with almost $9 billion in cash, a record amount of cash in the bank account for the company, putting them in a very strong strategic financial uh, position to not be at risk of going bankrupt, to be able to do everything they wanna do, to be able to fund all their new factories and growth and do all of that while still having money pile up in the bank account is a really good feeling for me as a shareholder in Tesla Long, um, who've seen this company, you know, sort of play this balancing act on a tightrope for years of being very precariously relying on the capital markets, burning a ton of money, needing to rely on the capital markets uh, with this theory of perceived solvency to get capital to fund the business. That's no longer the case. Tesla's funding themselves internally. This is a massive inflection point in the company. You know, the chance of them achieving their mission of transitioning the world to electric vehicles and clean energy is, you know, went from like, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, 50% chance, to like a 90% chance in the past year because of this underlying financial progress the company's made um, and just their rock solid balance sheet. So huge props to that. Here's energy storage deployment. So these are batteries installed. This did have a really nice bounce back over 419 megawatt hours. I still think this is really impacted um, just by the coronavirus and the shutdown, the ability to install this whole global shutdown, frankly, is just making it hard to install batteries, delaying some project is my guess. Otherwise, these are just kind of underwhelming numbers because they did 415 megawatt hours in Q2 2019 and they didn't even have the mega pack. So now they have the mega pack and Drew was really, you know, they've been talking about the mega pack a lot on the call saying there's a ton of projects in the works for that. Interest is huge, Um, but we haven't really seen that in the numbers. Moving to energy generation deployed. This was kind of another weak point in the quarter. I mean, we knew Tesla energy was gonna be weak, but energy generation goes from 35 megawatts to 27, down sequentially, even down from the all time low of 29 in Q2 2019. So this was kind of a bummer, but there was a really dope tidbit in the shareholder letter, which is that solar roof installations tripled from Q1 to Q2. Remember that's to me, the exciting part of this, every single roof is gonna have solar, five million roofs sold a year in the U.S. They cost about a model three each. This is a multi tens of billions of dollar opportunity globally to make all of the energy that hits our homes on a daily basis useful and be able to charge our cars instead of importing fossil fuels from halfway around the world to you know heat our and cool our homes and then importing more fossil fuels from halfway around the world to our actually put in our cars to fuel them, it's just ridiculous when a lot of us have the energy we need hitting our house every single day. So the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity, Um, the more and more I've thought about the solar side and energy generation piece of Tesla. I think, you know, Elon Musk reiterated on the conference call that the energy business would eventually be as big as the automotive business or that's how big the opportunity is. Um, And I think the solar roof is like the sort of game changing product for that. Retrofit solar is just not the mass market product to get solar to go mainstream. You have to put this really ugly panel on the roof that you already paid For, makes it way more expensive. Does it look as good? Does not last as long? More complex to install? Tesla streamlined the retrofit solar installation by making these small to medium large packages, making it simpler to install, innovating on some panel techniques to make it look a little better as well. But the real kicker is the solar roof. If you're gonna buy a roof, build solar into it. It'll look better. It'll be cheaper eventually. This is just the true mass market version of what solar energy generation needs to be at the residential level. And I think no company is in better position to totally dominate this market other than Tesla. Everybody buying an electric car is going to be the first early adopters to get this solar roof and those are all already Tesla customers all already going into the stores your incremental marketing customer acquisition cost for this you know ambitious solar vision is so much lower than every other company that Tesla not only has a technology arbitrage you know with the solar roof with their power wall but also has a marketing and business model arbitrage with this incremental customer acquisition cost being way lower than anything in the industry okay let's roll to the Q2 uh, update letter i'll put a link in the description of this a beautiful presentation Tesla puts out every single quarter. Um, So my favorite part here in the summary um, that I thought was extremely interesting was that for the trailing 12 months, our gap operating margin reached nearly 5%. We expect our operating margin will continue to grow over time, ultimately reaching industry leading levels. So 5% operating margin already in there with car companies like Ford and GM, but Tesla's saying we're going to keep improving this over time to hit industry leading levels. What does that mean? We'll get to more of that on the conference call. Full self-driving revenue, software revenue. We know they did release a bunch more features for autopilot on city streets, um, stoplight recognition, that sort of stuff during the quarter. As Tesla rolls out these features, their one billion plus deferred revenue balance on, on their balance sheet, uh, they're allowed to put that on the income statement. You know, recognize that revenue as they r- roll out these features. In terms of the Fremont factory, they say they are installing additional equipment and machinery, which is expected to increase total Model Three and Y production capacity from four hundred to five hundred thousand units per year. Great news, expanding demand. Um, you know, they need to build more cars. So my question is to Elon and the Tesla team is how easy is it to transition a Model Y or Model 3 line to a Model Y line? My guess is to calibrate for demand, you know, the Model 3 and Y, there's so many similar parts. It would make a ton of sense for Tesla to actually convert some Model 3 lines to Model Ys. The Model Y becomes a better selling car, cannibalizing it. They're tight on space at Fremont. Um, I'm really curious to see how much flexibility there is there in terms of that production for Tesla. Additionally, they say Shanghai Model Y still on track for first deliveries in 2021. Some of us were hoping that to be a little sooner, but that is what it is. And just to reiterate, I love this chart they threw in here where Tesla's first half vehicle deliveries grew over 10% and then like all of their competitors, all of the people, the major automakers are shrinking. They throw in this funny little chart of the Model S versus the Porsche Taycan premium sedan EPA range, also Model X and Y range versus the competition. Once again, range gonna be the biggest metric stat you know specification people want when they buy an electric vehicle who has the best range for the cheapest price tesla is by far leading that and that's why i think their electric vehicle sales are by far leading the competition as well um and you know this quarter they hit the 400 mile model s um huge achievement that's gonna be look back as a historic moment in the electric vehicle industry to actually have an epa rated ev that's sold on the market available to customers hit reach that 400 mile uh range rating threshold huge milestone for the ev industry more, a little more on solar here. So they're claiming that this $1.49 per watt cost, um, which is the average for the Tesla solar system, is now one third less expensive than the industry average for power. Um, and they're also saying that with incentives, it's even cheaper of a deal to adopt solar energy. So once again, Tesla not just pushing on that solar roof, although they, here's that little tidbit, um, but they're also pushing on the solar panels as well. In terms of outlook, they basically confirm their guidance or say, you know, they do have like a slight negative tone saying despite recent production interruptions, we still have the capacity to reach 500,000. While achieving this goal has become more difficult, delivering half a million vehicles in 2020 remains our target. So I personally think they need to hit about 130, 140 deliveries in Q3, about 180, 190 in Q4 to hit that 500,000 delivery mark, which is 36% growth. I think they can do it. My opinion, Tesla's totally on track. They're still, they won't abandon their guidance. It would be This is, it'll be the biggest deal ever if they hit this guidance uh, despite this, the pre-pandemic guidance, despite the pandemic. And then they end it here, like in terms of product capacity, I think this is really exciting. Like Model Y is gonna be coming out of Gigafactory Berlin and Gigafactory China or Shanghai um, in 2021. I mean, the Model Y is potentially the best-selling car that Tesla has here in the US. It's gonna be a game changer for the financials. And then, you know, fast forward 12 months from now, 18 months from now, the Model Y is rolling off the production line in three different continents um, and they're probably already gonna start to build their new tariff factory. So just, you know, huge, huge moves being made by Tesla, where it's not only the businesses on, on fire right now, but they are pushing pedal to the metal, despite this economic slowdown to massively expand production going forward. We got some really cool photos about that uh, production expansion. Model Y factory um, coming along real nicely here, looking like it's ready. You know, even the inside showing us all this really, really cool machinery. Robot production lines getting ready for some awesome, awesome, you know, alien dreadnought factory looking stuff here this the the pace at which this goes up for Tesla is insane then we got Gigafactory Berlin um, already making moves on this we've got some cranes going down they've cleared this forest I mean it looks like you know it's just funny because I always remember like, you know, Giga Nevada, this like weird pile of sand in the Nevada desert, Gigafactory Shanghai, like, okay, isn't this a muddy swamp, like, outside of Shanghai? And then like, BAM! A year later, you're like, this state-of-the-art, brand new, amazing factory is pumping out the world's most futuristic vehicles. It's pretty incredible to watch. So we're gonna see that happen in Berlin, which is now in its pile of dirt in uh, a forest outside of Berlin phase, but won't be for long. This is what it's gonna look like when it's done. I mean, Rave cave on the roof, potentially, is what Elon is hinting at. I I think he's serious about that. I mean, this I'm already getting like FOMO for not hanging out at the factory, even though it doesn't exist, because it looks so sick. Now let's get to the fun part, Tesla's conference call. Um, Elon Musk opened it up with you know his opening remarks per usual, um, says his huge thank you to the Tesla team. This is my favorite part about Elon Musk um, and Tesla is that he really, every single conference call goes out of his way to be like, you know thanks to the Tesla team, exceptional execution. Everybody worked their ass off. I'm so proud to be working with these people. They're amazing. Like literally shouting out, giving credit to the squad. First part of every conference call. Love that sort of ethos that they have. Automotive industry down 30% our deliveries are up, and then he starts it by dropping a bomb, saying we are going to build our new U.S. factory. It's in the works. We're planning it. It's going to be in Austin. It's going to be you know, 2,000 acres, our biggest uh, space we've ever purchased of any factory, still terra factory potential in my opinion based on that uh, sizing. It's going to be an ecological paradise. It's on the Colorado River. There's going to be a river boardwalk open to the public. I mean, You know, think about the future and what makes you excited and what you want to see and what, you know, companies should be doing to make life better and more exciting and fun. And it's just like, of course we should have a car factory that also makes the the land around it more beautiful and natural and people can visit, like, just... Yeah. Anyway, huge props and shout out to Austin because this is going to be a game changer for that city. And I'm so excited um, to see them kick ass there. They're going to be building the Cybertruck, the Tesla semi model three and Y for Eastern half of the US. Elon did sort of hedge this by saying that Fremont, they still want to grow in California, three and Y for West coast there. SNX globally will still be produced at Fremont as well. Then I thought it was funny. He gives a shout out to the Tesla Tulsa team or the Tulsa governor um, who basically tried to court Tesla for the factory says we're going to consider expanding in Tulsa in the future. Um, Huge thank you to them. So I thought that was really polite. Then he goes, on to really triple down on solar. Um, basically, what I said earlier that you know Tesla's really pushing here to be the cheapest, uh, low-cost option, lowest price guarantee. Um, they even have like a refund system, so they're really, really trying to push this solar product now. I feel like Elon Musk thinks they're starting to get close to product market fit um, with the retrofit in the roof, and they seem to be going you know fully accelerating here. Um, and then he's saying eventually, you know, you're going to get your own power wall, power pack, become your own utility, energy independence. And he's very, very excited about this business potential. He also goes on to, you know, shout out the 400 mile range Model S, saying you can even do that at highway speeds. Um, talks about FSD, um, traffic lights and stop signs have been released, intersections on city streets, narrow streets um, are coming soon, and that he's using this alpha build of software at his house that will allow him to almost drive all the way home um, from, or from the office, from I guess Elon's house to Tesla, um, with almost zero interventions in the wild. And this is an alpha version of the software that no one has. And he's like, this is why I'm confident in FSD functionality because I'm driving it, which gotta love Elon testing the product. Goes on again to thank the Tesla team, says the next 12, 18 months are looking amazing. Three factories in place, Cybertruck, Semi, Roadster. The product pipeline is pumped. And then he like, Elon Musk. so I'm a big believer in like tone. Tone is everything on these conference calls. You know, you kind of get to know the executives after listening to them every quarter. You know, how are they feeling about the business? Are they upbeat? Are they downbeat? You can learn so much from the tone of these executives, almost more so than what they say or what's in the report. And Elon Musk's tone in this opening statement and throughout the conference call is pumped, happy, exciting. Like, literally, like, it seems like he's, like, can't even, like, talk fat like he's so excited, he can like barely even say how excited he is. And it's it's just hard to describe, but I would recommend listening to if you haven't already. But I think, you know, that just to see Elon so pumped, so happy, so excited, literally saying, I've never been more excited about Tesla in the history of the company. I mean, this, you cannot understate this, this validates that business model transformation that I was talking about earlier. Z Kirk, Zachary Kirkhorn, the CFO, comes on, talks about another big thank you to the Tesla team and says that we achieved profitability despite the shutdown. Um, Says that there was a big increase in stock comp from Q1 to Q2, or a little increase because the Elon Musk stock grant, those uh, were hit. Cash balance hit a record of 8.6 billion. He does go on to talk about accounts receivable a little bit. This is something that David Einhorn and a lot of short sellers um, who are skeptics of Tesla have really pinpointed and gotten really nitpicky about these accounts receivable and basically trying to say that Tesla's a fraud because the way they adjust their accounts receivable um, I've, I've always thought this was BS in a very short-sighted analysis and then Tesla actually took the time on this conference call to debunk that theory which I thought was dope. Uh says AR accounts receivable, is usually 20% of revenue but can fluctuate. Less than 30% of our revenue or receivables are associated with new car sales. Settlement times of third-party financing payments impact, are, it, that happen in the final weeks and days of the quarter significantly impact accounts receivable. So the short sellers who are trying to read into the deliveries and accounts receivable and draw some correlation there are really just getting lost in the sauce of third-party financing terms and different geographies settling from different bank accounts at different times. And it's really just an accounting game. And so I Thought it was great that they cleared that up a little bit nerdy. Institutional investors come on, it's the QA. Um, so they're talking about 20 million vehicles. What products are going to be able to get Tesla to selling 20 million cars a year, cheaper model two? Elon Musk, like, is kind of like, I don't want to answer this because I want to save it for product announcements. But it's reasonable to assume we will make a compact vehicle of some kind and a higher passenger capacity vehicle, um, you know, in the long run. And he says we'll do the obvious things, and so. I, in my fully charged presentation in Austin, Austin ironically, um, I gave this like theory that I was like in five years, Tesla's best selling car will be a car that they haven't announced yet. The model two, the compact $25,000 uh, vehicle. And it, you know, they hadn't, I haven't talked about that much in a long time, but it seems like Elon sort of confirmed it here. Then there's a question about what's the vision for self-driving? Are there other monetization avenues besides just the FSD software package? Elon says pretty much just FSD, that's the main thing. And is like, this is going to go down as the biggest step change in asset value in human history. Millions of cars getting upgraded. The fleet, all these cars that are already getting around with a software update get get the ability to basically become autonomous vehicles, the largest step change in asset value in in history. He gives a hint saying you could have a couple million cars becoming 5x more valuable, certainly having 5x more utility, going from what, 10, 12 or 20 hours a week of driving or, or utility to about 60 or more. So, you know, I don't know. I thought this was a really interesting clue because even though Elon Musk says FSD functionality is at the end of this year, it's always like, okay, well, when are the robo taxis really coming? Well, he just gave you a clue because he said there'll be a couple million cars on the road by the time they flip it on. So Tesla has about a million on the cars on the road right now. You know, maybe they can add another 750,000 next year. And then the year after that, maybe a little over a million. So it's probably going to be sometime around mid 2022, 2023, when they have a couple million cars on the road, which is when Elon Musk has subliminally told us they think they're going to be able to switch on that FSD. I think that sounds right about, you know, in line with my expectations 2022, 2023 for that full robot robo taxi. And then Zach Kirkhorn is also Like, but that isn't all, like we're adding these in-app purchases, a premium connectivity, ability to upgrade the car over the app, then acceleration boost, rear heated seats. Um, You know, we're getting feedback on more of these things to launch over time. Additionally, we're building the plumbing in place to put in a bunch of different stuff in the car. Right now, we're dabbling with gaming. I love what Tesla's doing in gaming, um, have made a whole video about it. And then they say like, you know, in the future when cars are do hit full self-driving, Elon Musk is like, first of all, this is a potentially $100,000 value per car. So you're gonna need to watch a lot of Netflix and play a lot of video games to make 100 grand in revenue for Teslas from the Tesla App Store. Um, that was another thing I thought was awesome about this uh, sort of rant is they confirm basically the Tesla App Store. But the real needle mover here is that $100,000 step change per car in FSD revenue. Um, And that is really what's gonna be the value driver of software computer on reels. Autopilot, um, what's, you know, milestones we can look for. Elon Musk goes on a sort of rant here, which I think was really, really awesome about how they basically been driving in 2D or 2.5D using image recognition right now, like still images basically with pictures that are partially correlated in time. And he calls this 2.5D and they're gonna transition to 4D, um, which is essentially video thinking about the world in four dimensions, the fourth being time. We've been working on it for a very long time, even though it's not in the production uh, fleet. He says that he's been using it in his car. This is really what matters for FSD. Just far it's really been 2D. He even says this is like a huge profound difference um, and going from individual pictures to surround video. It will probably roll out later this year. It'll be able to do traffic lights, stop signs, turns, everything pretty much. And then there's a long march of nines until we, you know, government regulators and the populace deems that this technology is safer, you know, has, an, is it, has enough of a buffer in terms of being safer than a human to really be legally allowed to drive. Alien Dreadnought, how has your thinking evolved? Um, Elon Musk goes on sort of a rant here about how manufacturing is really where the innovation occurs. A lot more innovation, 1,000%, 10,000% more innovation in orders of magnitude uh, in the factory versus the product, which seems so, so simple. And I love th- this rant they go on. Um, and we're getting better at making cars. You're going to see that in Shanghai, really going to see it in Berlin. We're changing the design of the car to make it more manufactural, uh, manufacturable. For instance, in Model Y, they have the Model Y in Berlin is gonna be architecturally very different from the Model Y in the US. It'll be the same to customers, but they're continually in pace of innovation, newer, simpler, cheaper, more effective ways to build vehicles. Elon goes on to say how important vertical integration is for this. Jerome Guillen, president of automotive, hops in the line, saying CapEx efficiency um, has been improving dramatically for three years, as I was showing you in that chart earlier, better factories, for cheaper, that we build faster. I mean, huge advantage. As And we still have inefficiencies um, to reduce. So I think this is really exciting. They still think there's an amount of potential for improvement. And they're like, you know, when we ask someone to do something at the factory line, we want to be respectful of their time. We want to make sure we're not wasting their time. Like everything else should be automated unless a human is really adding value and has to do it. So they're constantly pushing this. They say we love manufacturing jobs. And they use this as a way to recruit people. They're like, if you want to reinvent manufacturing, come work for us. It's not just in California it's Berlin, Shanghai, you know, Texas, it's around the world, and they basically, Elon Musk says this multiple times on the call, this, we, our goal with this conference call is to recruit amazing people, the, 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 you know, a company is a group of people, And right now, Tesla is the smartest group of people working on cars and energy in the world. And they need to keep attracting top-tier talent from schools, young people, a bunch of you watching um, to help them build this future and innovate and disrupt more and more industries. And, you know, that bottleneck of talent. When I asked Elon Musk about why they're not building an electric airplane, will Tesla get into that? He got kind of, you know, he's like, dude, like, there's no factory where we can buy more engineers. If we could, then we'd be raising more money and buying more engineers and, like, expanding but capital is not our constraint it's finding amazing engineers and so the the way they leverage this conference call, the way they get people excited. um, You know, I think this is part of a thread of the culture at Tesla, why it's so different from a car company. This is a new age, innovative tech company hiring the smartest people in the world. That's a competitive advantage that can't be overlooked. And they triple down on that strategy during this conference call. Elon Musk even says the long-term advantage of Tesla that he expects will be, um, the long-term sustainable advantage of Tesla will be manufacturing, which I think is a very, very big clue. Someone asked him how many cars they're building in Texas or how much capacity they have, and he's like, well, we're not building any now, but I think that clue of 2,000 acres, largest footprint of a factory, they need less footprints to build cars because they're getting more efficient. Additionally, you know, I think they're gonna have a massive battery factory there as well, but they didn't really offer too many clues. Tesla Energy, um, this is a say question from uh, Rob Tesla Daily, I think. Will Tesla Energy be as big as Tesla Automotive? What's up there? Kind of, I you know, Rob was trying to get a granular ask on what's up with the business. Why have we been a little underwhelmed with the energy business's growth, which I'm like in the same boat. Um, They're always hyping it up. Elon Musk kind of, you know, skirts the near-term side of the question and goes long-term by saying like, You know, we still think that the energy opportunity is as big as the transportation opportunity. You know, in order to do the sustainable energy future, we need energy generation, solar, followed by wind. Those are intermittent, so you need batteries to store the energy. There's three elements, those two, and then electric cars. Um, And the fact that he mentioned wind a couple times is fascinating. I think the Tesla windmill, Moonshot Monday, Cyber windmill. I don't know. I'm... Anyway. Battery and solar will both be enormous. That's what Elon Musk ended it on. The mega pack, super excited about that, ramping that. And then uh, Drew j- jumps in and saying talks about auto being like, we developed this auto bidder thing, basically autopilot for your batteries, an autonomous energy trading platform to allow you to monetize your battery assets. It's like high frequency energy trading. And then Elon's like, whoa, we don't want to be associated with high frequency trading, which I totally vibe with, because he says it's front running. Um, but anyway, that was kind of a joke. The point is they triple down on saying like, battery constraints in battery manufacturing is and getting che- like low cost super efficient batteries is the biggest constraint for a business especially for the energy side where you're literally just selling a big battery and so it's all about scaling production they give a h- clue to battery day saying that we're going to expand business with Panasonic LG and others and they basically say we're going to build our own cells um and yeah Speaking of batteries, they talk about the Tesla semi-truck. Uh, when are you going to bring that to volume production? Uh, Jerome Gian hops in saying, you know, we're starting production next year, 2021. We got a couple trucks driving around delivering cars, which I think is so, so cool. Um, and that, you know, they say we are going to be the first customer of the Tesla semi-truck. We're going to use it to bring stuff from Fremont to Nevada. Um, and I love how Tesla builds products they need first and can beta test them that way and then we'll start rolling them out. And they also talk about this new different battery cell that is needed for the semi, nickel-based cells with higher range needed for the semi. You need a super mass-efficient long-range battery pack because every extra pound in weight that the battery takes up means you can't carry as much. So it sounds like Elon Musk has just let it slip that their next generation battery tech involves nickel and it's going in the Tesla semi-truck. And I'm so, so pumped because in the 2018 Q1 earnings call, when I got on and asked Elon Musk a question, like my first question was whether the semi-truck would use new battery technology. And you can hear him be like, yeah. And now it, it's just like, so, so cool to kind of like follow this throughout the years and now get this tidbit. And they offer more, but being like, you know, for passenger cars, the efficiency we made in powertrain, tire efficiency, drag coefficient, HVAC with the new octopump, valve heat pump, you know, the cars are so, so efficient and we don't think you need more than 300 miles of range for an electric vehicle. That's why we're building these LFP uh, battery cars in China, starting production by the end of the year, confirming that rumor as well, saying like, we don't really need to improve battery technology or energy efficiency for these consumer cars because you only need 300 miles. So thought that was an interesting clue about where the battery technology resources are going to be deployed. And then Elon Musk does go on another rant a little later talking about nickel being like, we need nickel. Like if you're a mining company and you have nickel, like don't wait for a massive nickel price spike to do your CapEx and start a nickel mine and raise money, which is what every mining company does ever, which I thought was so funny to hear Elon joke about that. And then basically make this call being like, we need nickel. Um, you know, just like he was saying, we need engineers. We need nickel too. So all that research I've been doing about Tesla mining, about raw materials supply for the battery supply chain industry um, heating up and refocusing on nickel so I'm gonna have more content about that soon. Tesla Insurance Um, They even say that they joke, there's always a question on say about Tesla insurance before they answer it. And they're like, okay, so it's in California version 0.9. We could have expanded it, but we wanted to wait until the new version with telematics to expand it to other places. Basically where you can get data, they can use that data of saying, okay, you drive like crazy, you're accelerating too fast. Like we can attach that individual driving data to the customer account. This is why I made a whole video about why Warren Buffett should buy Tesla at $300 a share. Would have been a good move because, uh, you know, Geico is one of Tesla uh, and insurance, it's one of Berkshire Hathaway's biggest business. The entire car insurance industry is all about who has the best data to most accurately predict the incident and accident rate of a driver and then be able to negotiate to fix that accident for the cheapest price. And so Tesla has orders of magnitude, more driving data about individuals because its cars are software connected. It is the OEM. Everything in the vehicle is automated, electronified, sending back to HQ with over-the-air software updates. The data advantage per miles driven um, for Tesla versus every other insurance company on the planet is so night and day. It makes it obviously a massive no-brainer to go into this business and they will crush absolutely everybody. And it makes sense. Why is Rivian doing their own insurance? If you're serious about autonomy, you have to be able to insure your own autonomous driver. And so it makes sense to start this, you know, uh, insurance program now. And so that's what Tesla's saying is this new version of insurance. We're, once we're ready for that, we'll roll it out and expand to different states. This made when we think of Elon's tweet recently about like, Tesla being like a dozen startups in one. And you know, that's why it's sort of hard to analyze and understand. And this is a perfect one. He's like, we are building a kick-ass next level insurance company. We need actuaries. If you are the best actuary in the business and are sick and tired of how the industry works because it's too slow and you want to make it better and you want to build the future, come to work at Tesla. Like I got inspired. I I barely know what an actuary is. And I was like, about to learn what that is. Go work on this new game changer. You know what I mean? Like just so excited. Like, do you want to build something that matters? Go work at Tesla. That marketing message for hiring the top talent is worth billions of dollars. Anyway, Bernstein Sakanagi, sort of, I would say the most annoying analyst, um, he basically says, well, whoa, you said you're going to hit industry-leading operating margins. Um, you're at 5% now, but if I look back out regulatory credit revenue, then we only get you to 1%. So that would be not that industry leading, you know, eight to 10% is industry leading for luxury, five to 10% for mass market, Porsche's at 17, what's Ferrari at like 30? So what's your industry leading margin gonna be? And this, this is the most important number to come out of this conference call, potentially the most important number if you think about Tesla in terms of decades, what is the structural long-term at maturity operating margin of this company? What is their internal estimate for that? That will allow you to extrapolate so many different ways to buy this company. I had personally been estimating at 10% conservatively saying go to 10 or 15, um, you know, in the long run for every dollar in revenue, 10 cents or 15 cents will eventually be profit when Tesla sort of measures mat- maturity. And so because of this question Sakonagi asked, you know, what are industry leading margins? How much of these are going to come from the credits? And then Z Kirk love it. He's like, we don't manage the business to continue and expect credits to continue in the future. Energy credits will, or uh, regulatory credits will double in 2020 versus 2019, but it will reduce over time. So... This is a very key insight. Tesla got like seven or 800 million of uh, energy credit revenue in the first two quarters of this year. Last year, they only got like 500 million. So Tesla is energy credit revenue of 450 million. This basically implying that it, uh, regulatory credit revenue is going to drop massively in the back half of this year. So that's important to keep in mind. But I love how Tesla, and I've always been this investor, like, and Elon Musk chimes in with this, like, we don't even have the $7,500 tax credit that every other EV in the ent- entire US gets, and we're still outselling them like crazy. You know, this is a company to succeed. If you're an investor in Tesla, and you want them to change the world, and you think this is going to be a multi-trillion dollar company, they need to build a business to make profits and cash flow without relying on tax credits, um, you know, without relying on regulatory credit revenue, and they are planning on that. And and they're doing it, and they're actually, as Bernstein said, already profitable at one percent. You know, with all that and despite all of that, um, if you remove all of those bonuses. But here's the flip side that Sakanagi did not take into account. This is my biggest frustration with Wall Street and analysts. Like, you know, you hear him ask that question, you're like, ooh, like that's a pretty smart, you know, diving into the numbers question there. Like, is it really only regulatory credits, you know, getting Tesla so profitable? What's well, like? There are so many things going into that five percent operating margin. Tesla, like I said, is a dozen startups at once. What about all the R and D for the semi truck? None of that showing up in the income statement. What about the cyber truck? What about the FSD chip? What about the massive video program they had to generate to go from 2.5 D to 40? What about the Tesla insurance program? Literally, I just named like $6 billion of startup that were, for, if were in the private market would be spending hundreds of millions a year in R and D and have zero revenue. So if you start to back out these, you know, if, if you wanna start cherry picking things to try and find what the core operating margin is of Tesla, let's take out all of their R Projects as well. And I guarantee you that that will get them way beyond, way above 5% core operating margin today, even excluding, even when you back out those regulatory credits. So um, anyway, that's my little rant about that question. Is he tried to make it seem like a gotcha moment when in reality he's just you know just giving that one number to to sort of fit into his narrative, which is that Tesla relies on credits for profitability when that is not at all the case and is not fundamental to any uh, bull's thesis of the company. And then um, there's another question about Sakanagi. He's saying, so okay, well if your mission is to get the world to transition, you know, and you're always dropping prices of your vehicles so more people can buy them, how do you balance this growth versus profitability trade off? Very tricky question, because this gets to the core of the root of Tesla, which is if we're gonna change the world and make everybody go green, are we also gonna make enough money to be a trillion dollar company and get value for shareholders? You know, can we do both of those at once? And Elon's answer is yes. With the game changer that is autonomy, they will be able to drop the prices of transport for so many people around the world, allow them to get around in green electric vehicles for such a cheaper cost per mile. That's going to be a game changer. Unlock it to the mass market. And they'll still be able, because it's software, and because it's such a game changer in the economics of a vehicle, to actually be the most profitable car company of all time as well, while undercutting everybody else on cost. That's how much of a giga game changer, to quote Elon, this um, is. And, you know, and so I love that answer about them. And I love how Tesla... You know, lots of companies have missions. Lots of companies will say they're doing good for the world, but like Tesla's really, you know, and this is why like I am so obsessed with Tesla personally more than any other company. Like I'm just obsessed with companies that are actually changing the world, that are actually moving the needle on what needs to happen on progress for the future. You know, I get really worried when I'm like, you know, my government is not making the right moves to prepare us for climate change. Like almost no government around the world is. And it makes me you know, so inspired and pumped to see that the private sector innovation you know, is occurring and that this tiny little electric vehicle startup that when I started following was just a roadster that nobody believed in is on its track to sell half a million cars this year, has transitioned every other automaker in the world to transition to electric. I mean, Tesla has literally already changed the world and will continue to do so. And when you hear Elon Musk on the conference call like have this moral quandary of how do we appease shareholders? How do we actually change the world? How do we help the most people? You know, this is the sort of, you know, moral dilemma that is so burdensome and hard to think through and complex, um, and I just gives Tesla so much props for trying to balance this, you know, do good for the world and do good for shareholders. And they've done a brilliant job at it so far. Um, and I think to me, it's really inspired me about, about, you know, what's the best way to create change in the world? Is it to create a charity? Is it to, you know, start volunteering? You know, how do you do it? Um, I really think it's actually building a company with a mission that matters. You can raise private capital, you can move faster. I think the biggest investment, donation, pledge, support, whatever you want to call it to fight climate change is to purchase a Tesla product. Every single person who bought an original Tesla Roadster subsidized the development of the Model S, which subsidized the Model 3, which is the Model Y, which is why we're about to sell millions of electric vehicles around the world and every other car company transition. It was because those toys for rich people, those rich people in Silicon Valley took a flyer on Tesla and they gave Elon Musk a $200,000 check, which amounted to an R&D grant to accelerate this electric vehicle technology so it could change the world. And so that's why to me, it's like when you buy a Tesla, you are putting a, a torpedo towards the fossil fuel industry by incrementally advancing uh, the efficiency, the cost, the scale of green technology. is a narrative i think will continue to emerge and it just makes me so so pumped and happy like of course i'm you know way up on my tesla stock but the fact the company's succeeding the mission succeeding the world is changing this is what really gives me value this is why all of you should be so pumped if you've been involved with tesla because you're a part of this change the world has just really really needed that nobody is stepping up to the plate and doing except for elon musk and except for the people working at tesla huge props that's the way i'm ending this love the quarter. I guess I'm going to Austin soon to see what the hell is happening uh, with that factory. Um, Huge shout out to all of our Patreon supporters, producers, all the people who hit me up with super chats. Y'all are so awesome. See y'all next time. Peace.